Hello out there, thinkers, linkers, and mappers. We are really happy to host a series of conversations around the topic of tools for thinking. Our longer-term goal is to spark a diverse, connected, shared memory that will help us make important decisions together. Our near-term goal with these podcasts is to blow more oxygen on the growing tools for thinking sector, addressing key issues and talking with the people who are doing the work. Today we have something different a conversation about tools for thinking, machine learning, and public knowledge graphs between Samur Rahman, founder of Heyday, an AI-powered research assistant, Jude Gamilla, founder of Golden, a canonical protocol for knowledge, Wiz, the co-founder of Space Kid Adventures, and John Borthwick, founder of Betaworks. All right. Welcome to this week's episode of Future Fridays, where we chat about all kinds of fun things from the future. I'm your host, Wiz, and you can find me on Twitter at WizLikeWizard. Today, we have three lovely guests who I'll each have go around and give a short 280-character introduction. Samir, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, I'm Samir. I'm the CEO of K-Day. Uh, we're an AI research memory assistant, um, and my background is in kind of Electrical engineering and machine learning. I've uh, been working across a lot of big companies and small Amazon, Matterwark. Uh, I've been working on Heyday for about a year and a half. Awesome. Awesome. Jude, do you want to go next? Sure. Um, I'm Jude, everybody. I'm the CEO of Golden. And what we're trying to do is build a giant compendium of all the human knowledge out there, effectively a decentralized protocol for knowledge. And um, very keen to talk about the subject matter of, of uh, tools for thinking. Um, so yeah, glad to be here. John, I think you just need to mute the MacBook speaker so that it doesn't come through your AirPods into the Twitter space. <laughs> uh, why don't... Uh, yeah, so uh, very short introduction. So founder of Betaworks and we are um, in the middle of a uh, accelerator program around tools for thinking right now, uh, which uh, I'm excited to chat about that. Uh, generally, I've been sort of a, uh, uh, a note-taking nerd for my whole life, and I felt like the promise of the computer uh, to be able to take notes, organize notes, self-organize notes, uh, help me connect ideas and concepts in notes has just been woefully uh, under-delivered on. And I believe that there's a set of technologies with graph databases, AI, NLP, large language models and such that are now, I think, can hopefully uh, start to unlock some of that uh, uh, innovation and creativity. So really excited to talk with uh, Samia, Jude, yourself about that today. Cool. Well, let's start off real easy and just define for everyone what a tool for thinking is. John, you've been doing this work for camp. So what is a tool for thinking? I, I think that, you know, most people for tool for thinking out the gate, they think uh, sort of uh, word and productivity tools. And I think that the, you know, the genius of, uh, of word and that sort of that box uh, helped define how we use our computers, but it's now become a box that's constraining how we think about our computers. And so I think about the world of tools for thinking as being much broader than that. You know, I think that there were early innovations like Hypercard that sort of blew open sort of, you know, spaces in the imagination. And then uh, more recently, graph databases, uh, Notion, Rome, 
uh, started to also sort of you know get get us both looking forward and also getting back to some of those original ideas of having a set of things which you could easily connect and scaffold as a tool uh, as a, a space for thinking. Coupled with that is that I think that the uh, uh, these large language models open up a whole new interesting space that can become sort of assistive to tools for thinking. And then lastly, I would say, I also think that the UI for this is also evolving, right? Spatial UIs on the desktop, spatial UIs on surfaces like tablets, and then also spatial UIs in VR are, are starting to sort of, you know, starting to break through into different spaces because you can see me, I just, I talk with my hands. I want to be able to think with my hands as well. And, uh, you know, that's all part of the box I want to break out of. I was saying that there's sort of a divide between the two, at, at a high level, categories of thinking tools that I've been playing with. There's sort of the active ones where you're putting your thoughts into something and it's helping you collect them or organize them or edit them or build them out. But then there's also the passive ones, which Samir, I think Heyday fits more into where it's sort of sitting in the background and trying to understand what you're thinking about and where you're spending time. Yeah. Samir, how do you think about Heyday fitting into sort of the broad spectrum of tools for thinking in its passive nature? Uh, thanks for the, the little layup, Liz. Um, I'll, I'll talk about like more at a high level before I do like the, the standard founder spiel of, <laughs> of trying to, the biased like perspective for Heyday. I do think a lot of people, when we think about tools for thinking, like we're a very small group of nerds who like to think about how to leverage tools to like improve how we do thinking and how we process knowledge. The vast majority of people are not going to go through the like effort of structuring their knowledge, structuring their information. So if you, the, the more you make this uh, something that's like, you have to do like basically gardening ahead of time to like get value. Uh, then people aren't going to have their vegetables. People want supermarkets to go get their vegetables and like art. What we think, and and this is where I really agree with John, is that uh, the like AI, like ad advances in AI, advances advances in UX and UI is going to make this like palatable for the average knowledge worker because they're not going to go like I personally, I'm a nerd who really likes to organ like to think about a ton of different things, and I can't use most tools for thinking just because there's so much upfront overhead work to go into it so like one of the ways that we're trying to affect things at heyday is how do we leverage ai how do we leverage like better ux to make this easier for people to like the average knowledge worker to get advantage of like what we would call tools for thinking and act as an assistant rather than like a blank canvas that has a lot of powers but you have to like put work into it and Jude Golden is sort of passive in right. a different way, but still passive. And the, the idea was, hey, Wikipedia, we need everyone to go and enter a bunch of stuff. And there needs to be hierarchies of who we trust, etc. Why can't we just use machine intelligence to go scrape this all off from trusted sources and build our own knowledge grab? How do you think about Golden fitting into and, and I know you've got this new direction now, expanded direction as well with the protocol. Um, but how do you see Golden fitting into tools for thinking broadly and sort of this divide between passive and active. 
Yeah, so I, I think of different types of layers of, of the tooling, right? So we've got layers internally in our brain. We've got layers at the interface between our brain and what's on the outside. We've got layers between different brains, um, for example, communication tools. And that's just being able to talk about this kind of stuff. So I, I see lots of different opportunities that there's different types of layers, the nodes, that the intercommunication nodes between them, what's inside them, what's outside them. So if I zoom back to fire, the first tool for thinking maybe is fire. <laughs> but why? Because I can stay up later and I can ponder what I'm going to do tomorrow. Um, and, you know, this gets converted into a, into a light bulb. Um, I've got a very powerful tool. I'm going to answer your question in a minute, but I've got a very powerful tool for thinking right in front of me. <laughs> a blank piece of paper and I've got a pen. So if we zoom back to the tools of thinking, we start with like the human sitting there pondering, thinking, and now I need a tool. So I need, I have fire. I can now think for longer. Maybe I can stay up. And, and, you know, we move on to things like writing and being able to share common information between the different nodes, between the different agents. Um, so data is important. Data is one of the components of the tool for thinking, process and interface and the loop and the tools we have for that um, at the different levels of, of, of the structure. So, so Golden fits into one of the pieces, hopefully, which is that we want to record canonical data um, as a collective, um, you know, um, bunch of, all of us as a protocol and use that to be able to fuel um, the actual compute um, which is the analysis of it or, you know, stuff that other tools will do, like I could do with Heyday or other tools. Um, so, so I, I, you know, got Golden, hopefully if we can pin down this one thing of having canonical data, it's not everything, right? It's, it's one of the pieces of the landscape. Um, and, and, you know, we're going to try and nail this, like get all canonical data. But yeah, the, the tools for thinking, I, it might be good for us to find as well what, what even the tool what thinking is and what tools might be useful for, because it feels like this could be a collection of hundreds of startups, right? Like uh, John was talking about the being able to think with his hands. And that's, you know, an interesting layer of the interface of the internal to the external world. Um, and, it, and it feels like it's an extremely broad space. If you, if you look at all these different layers. John, you were talking about large language models and how some recent advances there allows this stuff to be maybe more, helpful than it was before what are some of the other inflections that you're seeing i mean obviously vr in that example of uh being able to play with data and thoughts in in space what are the other inflection points that you've seen that's really driving this opportunity i mean i think that the um you know, the first one which sort of you know started to break open a new space for me was really graph databases and uh the uh, seeing what's uh, and starting to use tools like Notion, Rome, um, and the uh, that sort of blew open sort of a and and a lot of it goes back to the early days of the web, but backlinking and just the ability to be able to structure data uh, and uh, to be able to move through your own data uh, in a different way. And I, I think what you know, the emphasis there is both data structure and also some degree of control over that data. It's obviously uh, stored on a server, but it does feel like you have access to that data and you can start to manipulate it in more interesting ways. So I think that was the first thing that opened the door. I also think it, it, it kind of, at least for me, you know, I jumped on Rome at the beginning of COVID and it was kind of a uh, a new technology or a new interface that uh, that I was playing with, but it was also I was in a very different headspace. And I think a lot of people, you know, through COVID, you know, just suddenly started saying, "Wait, 
why the why can't I like use these tools to think right? And so, um, so I think that there's uh, sort of you know, we've seen uh, you know things like Figma, Notion, Rome, you know, get to real get to some real scale. I would say Rome's probably less of, of the other two. But there is real scale starting to happen, and people are starting to think about sort of canvas space uh, spaces. They're starting to think beyond the sort of the the box of a um, you know very sort of well defined uh, uh, Microsoft like uh, box. Smear, I think Rome is the perfect example of your farming example where you need to really plant the seeds, water them, de-weed. <laughs> Let them grow over time, yeah. harvest before you yeah. start to see fruit, vegetables yeah. born. Right. Right. How do you think that changes over time? Like, what does Rome look like 20 years from now, assuming it's still around? Is it just like neural nets straight into the graph database? <laughs> well, <laughs> I think, I think like the ideal version of tools like Rome would be being able to take the exhaust of like thought and ideas and then create the structure using an AI. Like, so like a lot of the work that needs to be done in Rome is, you know, hey, I'm getting this idea down, but then I have to like tag this to that and then create all that structure myself. And then I'll miss things. Like if I don't presuppose what the structure should be, I'm gonna miss that. And then sometime later, I'm looking for something and I forgot to put, like I'm looking for restaurant in San Francisco. And like, I never, like decided to tag my restaurants with location. So even though I put a lot, a lot of stuff into Rome um, about restaurants, I can't actually search by location. So, right. well, that's a loss. So like a lot of these tools require you to pre-think of the structure and then do the work to put in, put them into the structure. I think in the future, we're going to look at like tools that are getting closer to like a, a, an executive memory assistant, research assistant type thing where you just like either talk into it or type into it and it just figures all these things out and these connections. Um, and that like reduces the burden for people. Like ideally, like I, I can feed this podcast conversation into a tool. It gets auto-transcribed. It gets like put into buckets of, I talked to Wiz, uh, Jude and John we talked about tools for thinking and then it indexes all these things like, you know, notion, Rome, these things being mentioned and all of that stuff is like auto like categories. There's no reason for us to do that work um, yeah. other than the, the fact that the technology still needs to catch up. So hopefully I, in the next 20 years. Yeah. I, I think that the, um, I, I really like the way you set that up because I think that, you know, in, I, I'm a fairly happy Rome user. But I've had to teach myself how to, I'm both taking notes, I'm structuring, I'm thinking about Markdown, right. so I'm thinking about the metadata, and and then I don't spend nearly enough time actually thinking about the ideas that right. re represented there, right? Because there's, you know, Jude asked this question, what is thinking? And the way that, the way that I think about uh, thinking and the way of trying to organize my workflow in Rome is to have all the facts, all the all facts, all the pieces of information that I think mm -hmm. are pertinent, and then 
I add a layer on top of that, which is sort of my hypothesis associated with that. Right. And then I have a meta layer, which I refer to as what I believe, which is about 150 beliefs that I have about the world. <laughs> right. And, and I try to map those things together because I want to constantly right. take all the stuff which I'm thinking and actually test it against my meta beliefs about the world. Right. And you know, sort of bounce back and forth. And, and it is so, you know, it's really hard today. <laughs> Just yeah. too much, too much fucking gardening, and <laughs> and I mean, I call it gardening because it makes me feel better. But it's really digging through shit of <laughs> metadata. It's just That's too much work. Is, right? It's manure. <laughs> yeah, but it smells better than this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and to that point it's about just, thinking, yeah. right? Like, what what is thinking? It's like we've been talking about right. thinking as a single person in right. real time almost in front of something. And there's, there's different dimensions. There's, there's like a time dimension over a very long period of time of like civilization yep. recording information, knowledge, books, and accumulated thinking that I riff off, that we riff off, that like we're recording this. Someone might be able to riff off yeah. this in the future. So there's this, there's this time dimension of like tools for the real-time thinking and tools for the long-term civilization thinking. And there's tools for um, your... And, and around the real-time it's it's less uh, it is there can be a real time i go read something i go look on google i bring it back to my notion i do something over here and as a there's depending on the the time the window you look at there's almost like a tool for inside your head because we could talk about biology right now and me crispering you right. to having a faster like synapsing you know firing speed or greater neural like a, a thicker neur, um, neocortex or you know all sorts of brain hacks that we could do right uh, or we could talk about it from a you know, at one second point of view, if I, I type, I type to think, you know, not even reading what I'm typing or I'm reading what I'm typing. Right. Or like I, I do a PR into a repo and someone gives commentary on it. I'm now in a community of things. So there's different kind of steps here of, um, and, 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 you know, whether we're, we're think, talking about a tool for thinking individually or as a, as a, a collect, a group. Um, and it, and it's kind of interesting that I do agree the AI co-pilots, are going to be kind of really interesting to like, you know, outsource some of this more, maybe less interesting or less creative thinking, or maybe it's more creative thinking. Um, and it's like, oh, oh shit, what's happening to us here? Um, <laughs> but I, I count yeah. at least 20 nodes of groups of classes, opportunities um, of, of tools here from like, you know, the data, the models, the compute at, you know, in your brain to the, that at the interface layer, say neural, uh, um, you know, kind of neural link, etc. To like what's outside between us, GitHub, books, right. libraries, Golden, Wikipedia, Google, um, and then even in the data part, there's like the ETL part of it, the extraction, the transformation, and the the loading. Like it's the extraction tech of like a sensor right. on your arm. Like this is this is tool for thinking. If I know what my heart rate is, so so yeah, I think right. there's ample o o opportunity. And and when you talk about Rome, uh, I was thinking, what's what's for Rome? In 20 years, I, I think if you look at a lot of startups, they actually every single startup seems to this be there's a new startup. <laughs> it's not like <laughs> that thing turns into something else; it just gets replaced. So, so I, yeah. I, 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 I'm thinking, you know, that um, you know, it's kind of interesting that all, unless you're Microsoft, if you can become Microsoft, yeah, then you can buy them out or you know host all the public repos or something with GitHub. But like, yeah, I think I think all the interesting, <laughs> most interesting tools for thinking may probably have not even been built yet. That the startups have not been yeah. thought about. Right. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that too. And do we think that 
30 years from now, it's uh, like that these are the first steps towards sort of a, uh, what is the book, uh, Homo Deus future, where we have godlike abilities and uh, we're able to like offload part of our brain function to AIs that are far smarter than us. Like from a memory perspective, I think it makes total sense. Imagine a world in where the computer stores most of the stuff that you need to remember and you don't actually need to think about it very much. And we do this today in in, in very low-tech yeah. low, low ways, low-ish right. tech ways, our own personal wikis of, of names and and people and information, et cetera, and things we've learned. Yeah, I wonder what that looks like 30 years from now. Um, I feel like John, 30, you- year, 30 years is so far. It's it's like getting into the sci-fi realms, right? Like, well, it, it forces yeah. <laughs> us to think about yeah. sci-fi realm exactly. Right. Yeah. I, I I think that the so just going back to what you said, I think that also another great tool for thinking is just listening, right? Because we're doing social thinking right now, right? We're thinking together, and and also you know uh, so. Um, but what does it look like in thirty years? I mean, I think that the that the question of what is thinking is really core to this because we don't really know what thinking is. <laughs> yeah. And so we're, we're inventing and, and creating you know, machines and networks to do things that we don't fully understand. I mean, the process of like, you know, I, I journaled when I was younger, right? And I journaled because I thought I needed to, I want to remember this stuff. I've never reread my journals. I didn't, but the process of writing stuff down actually helped me work through some of these things. Right. So whereas on one hand, AI co-pilots and things like Jasper, I think, have a role and can be brilliant. But if a human needs to like work through the process of writing something down so that she or he can like think through an issue, um, they should do that, right? And we, so and that is a part of thinking. And so I, I think that it's a um, it's a complicated space. I think the easiest place to revert to is, is the memory thing, always, right? Because, you know, there's just too much information we remember, we don't. So it's always like the sort of black mirror memory pilot yeah. or co-pilot, which I think is, is, in my mind, is actually the least interesting part of this. Mm. Um, um, because, yeah. Yeah, what... what- what do you think is the the most interesting part of it then? The the connectivity right now, I think that the connectivity between ideas, the ability to be able to stack ideas into some you know into structures in your mind or into structures on some kind of surface where you can understand the relationship between ideas and the relationship, the unexpected relationship between ideas. Because one of the things for me is thinking is when two ideas bump into each other yep. that I didn't think were related. And, and suddenly I've like connected different patterns in my head of information. Uh, that to me is like, I'm, and, and, and shit, it often happens when I'm in downtime, like yeah. go for in, a in run a, or like working out. Taking and I'm a just shower. Like, yeah, <laughs> shower take that, a yeah. shower. Yeah. Or I'm just like, damn. Yeah. yeah. Or I'm I trying just, to meditate and I'm like, yeah. oh, Fuck, I just thought of something. Yeah, calm, yeah, calm is a tool for thinking, right? Like, if you can meditate right. easily, yes. sleep better, you can you can think better. So, like, there's, yep. there's quite a few cool things, like, around this that, you know, the, the meditation part or sleep, sleep tech helps, is a precursor for thinking. There's, like, precursor tech for thinking. Then it's 
in the moment um, thinking. And yeah, I, I, I think there's so many different interesting permutations of, of where we take this, right? Of um, one, one thought that came to me is, um, you know, if we look at PhDs and, and, you know, things become ever niche, niche, niche. And, you know, as the data blows up, um, people are getting very siloed. And, you know, for some of the innovation happen, you might have to do a crossover of two very siloed places. Um, things to break out of those constraints of we will probably be forced, if you want an individual node, i.e. one brain, to think something through to, to an even greater level than before, we almost have to bootload someone into the game really far in, right? Like we got to compress the education to be able to think at that edge because um, I assume the tools mm-hmm. for thinking is also directed thinking, not this abstract thinking. Like I'm going to think about an AI printing a right. paperclip, but I'm going to think about something novel. So like the novel, I, I assume as well, we're, we're constraining like almost novel thinking or useful thinking or thinking in terms of our reward function or the reward function of society and directed thinking. And I think defining, like getting visibility into the, the reason we're thinking or what we're trying to actually compute here or think about um, is interesting and, and personal reward functions and, group reward functions because um, that extends the space as well massively right <laughs> uh to mri scanners and like understanding our brains and yeah yeah every, like yeah like the, the maybe the 30 years out version is like the matrix style i know kung fu like you can just download skills into your brain yeah how can we how can we accelerate that stuff like if you have a personal right. mri scanner super high resolution can you can you tune your thinking and be like you know your, you should, or if you can introspect like loops that you're going in that are not useful towards the objective you're trying to right. get to and see that happening. Right. Um, so I think, uh, I think right. there's a hardware, there's a, I want to throw in hardware software parts of this convo as well. Um, that, <laughs> you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of good software movement, not too much hardware movement. Right. Um, and like we, we, we're all excited about Neuralink and it just seems like potentially really far away or, you know, like where, where's my hardware to upgrade my thinking brain. I think right now, maybe the, the next 10 years is like very software. I was going to ask Jude, where does protocols fit into all of this? I mean, you all started, Golden started with a knowledge graph, and now you're, as far as I understand, starting to focus on the protocol, making that knowledge graph available to other applications on a protocol level. Where does the protocol piece fit into the future? Yeah, the, the protocol part is the way to try and help organize individuals better in a system, like an economically correct way to still generate the knowledge graph. And I think um, protocols are interesting in that they could bring um, new mechanisms to accelerate groups working together to achieve certain objectives. Um, they're not always around you know, knowledge in, in any way, but you can imagine like a protocol around like a GitHub version of, you know, uh, a protocol decentralized version of GitHub, for example. Um, so I, I think there are some applied protocols where they, they could help thinking, um, especially with recording data, factual knowledge, uh, building up models pot- potentially. I, I don't think, um, I, I think we haven't fully explored what, what they could do for thinking. Um, I could imagine a Rome as a protocol, for example, that, that could be interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, I think a lot of it will be on the interface interface level. Like that seems like the highest arbitrage of like your internal brain to the outside world. And like a lot of these things when we talk about Rome or Notion, like we're, we're thinking interfaces here between humans and, and a record. Um, and that might be the part to like put most of the dollars in for the next 10 years. Because that's another question, like where do you want to put your dollars on, on this problem, right? Um, where, where should we put the money and the, and the time and the, and the code? 
Dude, is the is part of the protocol, or at least a big piece of the protocol in my mind, is me being able to take a blob of knowledge, a collection of knowledge, and and share that with you, and share it across. You know, if I use mem, use row, and uh, and just like move it, move it from heyday to you know, just move it around. Is that is that part of this? That's not quite the intent, but. Um... The effect may be similar. So, so just to walk through how it works, I can come to the table and say, um, Samir is the CEO of Heyday. And then I can put that to be proposed as a fact to the protocol. Uh, we can all come along and say that's not true or that's true. And there's a game that effectively occurs there where we stake some crypto. Um, if the data gets accepted by the group um, and you can throw in some link prediction from the graph saying the graph thinks he's the CEO because he's also founded it and he's on a documentation of that and other components that point to him being CEO. Um, so that builds up a knowledge graph, and then we want it to be available to free for the world. Um, and then, yeah. yes, you could start pulling it into Rome and do like, you know, um, heyday.ceo, because I don't maybe I don't know who the CEO is today, and it, and it lives as a breathing like element from, from the yeah. protocol APIs. So the, the idea is to, you know, really find a way that's the, the most efficient way nowadays to produce like a living graph of canonical knowledge um, and we believe the protocol to be, um, and Wikipedia is protocol. If you think about it, it's just not like a cryptographic version of the protocol. Right. Like it's it's, it's operating it's like not a voting protocol. system. Yeah, and it's it's, it's, it's it's something like it's like a centralized version of the protocol. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not like yeah. embracing all the principles here and and treating it right. as 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 uh, rules based as we as we can, right? And it's being really transparent right. and explicit with the rules um, and and doing other things like you know storing it immutably if it's immutable facts and um, other interesting things that we can do, like bringing economics into, into, into the situation. So, so I, I do think protocols will come into this. I think it's, it's, it's going to be one area of it. would be like, Hey, I need really solid data. Um, and, but I, I think, yeah, we're, we're get, it's also thinking across every single substrate, right? It's, it's someone doing a biotech company to, change the way your brain operates. And that's going to be interesting from an FDA standpoint. Can you imagine being able to turn your <laughs> clock speed up yeah. by 2x, 3x, or extend your memory out? Or even like, you know, people having larger brains after birth. Like, yeah, your brain, your head just keeps growing or, you know, <laughs> just stuff like that. Or, yeah. and, the, and the augmentation right. is interesting as well. And how, you know, some of this is around security as well, the individual of like, if you do have an AI co-pilot that's doing more and more and more, what's happening with your data security? Does it like, know really how you think and like do we end up in adversarial situations where you can get hacked um to vote for this or vote for that and protocols do care about that um right so this this is a kind of cool space because it links into everything security of the individual and yeah um societies yeah and judy you said that the uh, companies in sort of this rough cohort uh will likely not be the same ones in two, three cohorts from now, 30 years from now. Question for you all, what are, what are the interesting companies in Tools for Thinking that you've seen now? Who are people that are taking sort of the new crack at this that, uh, I mean, aside from Heyday and Golden, obviously. <laughs> uh, yeah, have, have you all seen other interesting ones in the broad space? I think GPT-4 is kind of exciting. Um, like the progression <laughs> of GPT-X and like whether that becomes like a distributed thing uh, where it's not just like open AI, but we're all working on it together. Um, yeah. that, that there could be a protocol version for a GPT, um, like a GPT distributed, 
like kind of what happened with stable diffusion in a sense, like a more open core version. Um, that that's really interesting because that that on the back of that you can build a bunch of copilots for like you know C- GitHub Copilot, Figma, um, things that can do parametric design and work it out. Um, I, that, that's my quick one. Um, what about you, John? You must see a lot of cool startups in this space. You know, we we um, are fortunate enough to be investors in hugging face and, and instability. And so, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, you know, what you just laid out in that last piece, Jude, uh, because I think this stuff does need to be open. Um, uh, and it's just, it's it complicates the fact that open AI is actually not open. Um, uh, Which is a huge risk factor, so, right? Because the open core development could just be more, it's, it's going that way to be become more efficient, given that you can make money with it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that it is, um, I, I think that, you know, the last month and, you know, what's happened in the last couple of months with stability is extraordinary. And and I think that it is it, it has opened up sort of a space in people's imaginations of what's possible here. Um, and And people are just having fun with it which to me is just like being able to play with, you know, with computers and to be able to find those spaces to where, where you enjoy computing again is just really important. Yeah. And so, so, so I think that there's a, a tremendous amount of uh, promise there um, on the open side of the next generation of language models. Um, I, I think that the, uh, I think spatial canvases, uh, I, I think we're starting to see like, you know, talked about Figma before, Big Jam, Neuro, like, you know, these spatial canvases. If, if I look across the, you know, 150 or so applicants that we had for uh, the Accelerator program, you know, a large number of them are spatial canvases. And so I think that that's becoming a, uh, a an interface that people uh, can start working with. Um, I think also the... I talked about the outset, but you know the uh, with the Quest Quest Pro shipping, I think yeah. that we're going to start to see uh, you know sort of you know spaces minority report like Iron Man like spaces where we can move around ideas. I I, I was going to mention that I know it's a little controversial because people <laughs> have different takes on that. I think even though Meta has not done the best job of being like a great platform for the Quest, like the hardware for the Quest Pro looks very impressive. Like, I think it's, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see if people are going to actually use the hardware to like build, like John was saying, these like spatial, 3D spatial interfaces that allow people to like manipulate lots of different things. It's not just tools for thinking, lots of different things. I think one thing that um, sparked an idea, I don't know if anyone's doing this yet, but like one of the cool things, like one of the challenges with things like, GPT-3 and like Bloom and OPT stuff like the only people making 100 billion plus parameter models like GPT uh, like Bloom are Google, Facebook, or Meta, uh, Microsoft because they have to throw like tens of millions of dollars at GPUs at this to like train this in time. One thing that would be cool, this is where like blockchain, something like protocols makes sense is if we wanted to do an open source version of these models, we could have an organization that sets up like a um, blockchain kind of uh, smart protocol where you're contributing your GPU and it's a global training mechanism that the more you contribute your GPU, 
to training this open source model, the more reward you get. But like, it'll like PFS for models. Exactly. But like for the compute side, right? For particularly for GPU, that way we get to actually have these open source models um, and in a way that's like truly distributed rather than you know, for the basically like benefactor of an organization that decides that, you know, we basically spent a hundred million dollars on this model. Sure. Have it for free. Like I, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to trust organizations when, when they do that. Right. Like we, that's where we have this opportunity. If we wanted to like leverage like smart, smart contracts, protocols like this. Um, So that would be really interesting to see like a truly like economically open source Wow. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think they're going to be donating their data as well because like the, the the models right. have to be trained up with the data. And if you, I don't know whether people uh, listen to the John Carmack Lex um, podcast, and he, yeah. he talks a bit about yeah. like the inefficiencies of the personal compute versus like the right. centralized hardcore GPU. So it might be that the protocol you just actually learned your money or your time or something to train it up on actually fairly centralized, very optimized GPUs as the competition is like right. Facebook, et cetera. Exactly. And then a distributed right. way, you're bringing the data into, into the system. But there could be something there, um, and it could just start like stable diffusion style, like, you know, more open open core, but like still kind of centralized as a repo, not as a, as a protocol. So the protocol stuff experiments are like TBD and like whether, you know, Golden really works on the mainnet will be like a good like signal whether this could work for GPTD or whatever. Um, so that, that's, that's kind of interesting. Um, and you know, the, that, that, that could be a big deal. I, I think I was thinking of another thought here where, you know, we're, we're talking about a lot of external systems, like on the web or whatever, and we're talking about interfaces and the stuff inside our head is where the thinking is like right at the core in a sense. Um, and we're not allowed to touch that. Like that's highly regulated material. I am not allowed to go <laughs> to your house, uh, Samir and John do surgery on you tonight. And, and you can't go, and, you, and you're not allowed to go and CRISPR, CRISPR your your body right now to go and mess with the chemistry, or you're not allowed to go and take um, certain uh, uh, illegal drugs that might like uh, change the way you think. So like that to me, and, and what we're seeing here is like Depends. trying to get everything out of that internal agent out to the outside, and like getting the data out of your your node into, right. Right. and that's the risk on the security front to the individual in a sense. Um, because like you know, it's like a copilot is taking all the value outside of your brain as fast as possible, so that you've got nothing left, that, and you're not actually like important to the equation anymore. But I think there needs to be a new way of looking at the in, the 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 land that we're not allowed to touch. The individual like upgrading, of, right. like I'm talking, you know, like altering the brain and and that that stuff. Not because it's gonna it's not going to be a a very well distributed technology that kind of stuff because it involves the hardware. Um, so yeah, I guess all the land is on the external stuff and on the interface right now. Yeah. Cool. Well, we're coming up on time. If people want to learn more about what you're all up to, what's the best way to do that? John, you've got this new camp cohort of nine really exciting tool for think- tools for thinking companies. Is there a way that listeners can follow along? Yeah, yeah. So we are. Uh, if you if you jump on over to BetaWorks uh, and take a look at the media section, you've got a podcast we launched. We've got Demo Day, which is December seventh uh, here in New York. Uh, I'm sure we'll stream it as well. And so you know, that will give you sort of a good preview of all the companies. And then you know, please come to Demo Day if you can. Smear Heyday is now available for free to try out. Heyday.xyz. Is that where people? 
That's correct. Um, 14 day free trial. Hopefully you get hooked by then. Um, and um, yeah, follow, follow us along. Um, if, if you're on Twitter, you can follow me along too. <laughs> Come on. And Jude, how can people get involved with Golden? Yeah, so check out golden.xyz. If you're a developer, come play with the APIs, send loads of data in, validate it. Um, and if you're not a developer, put some facts into golden.com and uh, take part. Awesome. All right, guys, this was really fun. Thank you for joining me to chat about Tools for Thinking. Thanks, Thanks for this. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for bringing this together. It's fun. Thank you for listening to Tools for Thinking, a new podcast that might just help you with your thinking. If you're part of a startup in this sector, please knock on our door at betaworks.com.